stationary. Y'all know I love to take notes. I love to write. I love to write on paper. I love to write notebooks. Matt, what'd you get me for Christmas this year? I got you notebooks and pens and organizers. Correct. I love it. Uh, And I find that it genuinely helps me remember things better as opposed to typing them or like putting them on a, like a text file or whatever. Actually writing something down physically helps me a lot. It helps me organize my thoughts. It helps me get my work done. And ever since I got my new uh, iPad and I got the Apple Pencil with it, I have been doing that on there, and that's great. The only problem I've had with it, it doesn't quite feel like writing on paper, which is a feeling I like. We have the solution to that problem. That's right. Paper-like. As I mentioned at the top of the show, it's a screen protector for your iPad. It uses a proprietary technology called nanodots. With those nanodots, you feel the natural resistance of paper on your iPad screen. It is a paper-like feeling on your iPad. So if you're drawing, if you're taking notes, if you're using your iPad like you would a notebook, here's the way for it to really feel natural. And Chris, I know you love that. You you have an iPad, you got a paper-like and I'm sure it's, it feels just right for you. It does. It feels great to use. Also, Matt, you know I'm very particular about paper. I have yes. specific brands of notebooks that I will and will not use. And paper, like, feels good on the iPad. Uh, they also make accessories for the pencil to make the pencil a little more comfortable to hold. They make uh, accessories to help you clean the iPad as well. They've got it all. The ability to handwrite notes in a digital form is great to begin with, but getting that extra tactile feeling that makes me happy while I do it, <laughs> that gives me that little dopamine, that little serotonin burst that I like to have, is fantastic. The latest version of the Paperlike is manufactured in Switzerland using high-quality plastic foils designed for maximum picture clarity. You're not going to lose any of the definition of your iPad screen if you put a paper-like on there. And these foils are developed exclusively for paper-like products. It also always comes in a set of two, so you have a spare. Look, we know a lot of artists listen to this show. If you're an artist and you're looking for a way to make drawing on your iPad feel a little bit better, this is how you do it. So, to pick up your paper-like, head over to paperlike.com ajax, click buy paper-like, and select your iPad size. From now, right now, until the end of January, Paperlike is also including their Digital Pro Planner Bundle at no extra cost for every order placed through the Paperlike store. Plus, shipping is completely free. So if you're ready to do more with your iPad, head over to paperlike.com ajax to get started. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Comics Catch-Up. This is the show where we read comics that we didn't read when they were coming out. 
And so now we're going to read them and rank them on our big old list of comics called Every Story Ever. You heard me from the past say almost exactly that during the music. But I felt like I needed to repeat it for some reason. My name is Matt Wilson. Chris Sims is also here. You know what's weird, Matt, is that even right now I am listening to a Matt Wilson from the past. The the me from the past who is over the music is from further in the past. Yeah, I mean, you, you are... It's funny, because I'm talking to a Matt Wilson in the future. Because you're expecting what I'm going to say? Linear time is a, is a fucking trip, man. Yeah, man. I'm uh, not even high. I'm ready for it to be nonlinear. Oh, man. I'm ready to be a baby again. I, well, Matt, if you're ready for nonlinear time, I have some good news for you about uh, Star-Lord. Yes, uh, that is a wonderful segue into the comic we're catching up on. In this episode, it is uh, more of the Al Ewing run on Guardians of the Galaxy. We read one through five last month because I was under the impression that that was not just one story, but two stories. And then we promised last month to read the rest of the run through number 18. That didn't happen for a few reasons. One, number 18, which is the last issue of the run is not on Marvel Unlimited. Also, the last three issues of this run are part of a crossover, which means that they would have to be a separate thing. That crossover is called The Last Annihilation, and that would have to be a story on its own. Agreed, Chris? I would say so, yeah. Do you think Do you think they, they sang Last Annihilation to the theme, to, to the song... To the tune of Last Dragon. Matt, I, okay, real talk to everybody right now. I just got in. I just got back in my home from shoveling snow for the second time in two days. I don't like it. It's cold. It's hard. Your lips are cold. My you, lips are you cold. Got, you, got, you got cold mouth and you can't talk right. You got the cold mouth. I'm, I'm legit shaking a little bit. I burned my tongue just a little bit on this hot chocolate that my wife was nice enough to make me as a little, little treat. But... If I seem a little off for a few minutes till I thaw out, that's why. Yeah, your your boy your boy's frozen. I feel strongly that 16, 17, and 18, the last three issues of this run, are part of a separate story because that story is part of a crossover. Chris, I also think that Guardians of the Galaxy 1 through 12 is a story because what became apparent to me upon upon reading this through is that the story that starts at number one with the evil Olympian gods and the apparent death of Star-Lord does culminate in issue 12. Then issue 13 definitely starts a whole new thing. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. 13 through 15 is a whole new thing. Now, I have read those issues, and we can rank that as a as another story uh but i do think one through 12 ultimately ended up being one story uh and and we can get into it if you if you if you please it it should please me matt okay it should please me greatly to speak of this with you we talked pretty in depth about one through five uh, last time. So we'll start with six, which we talked about a little bit on the last episode. Six is 
a Nova-focused issue, which is framed with Nova Richard Ryder. Being in therapy, he's got therapy provided through his, like, war veteran healthcare. Yeah, sp- space takes care of people. Matt. That is uh, specifically stated in the book, which I think is uh, pretty fantastic. Yeah. It's not quite, like, on the Mark Russell level <laughs> of, of subtlety, <laughs> but it is, it's, it's in there. It's in there. It's in there. It's it's the most Mark Russell-y part of this run. For sure. I would say. Yeah. That conversation. But you know what? Uh, we find out. For Nova, for getting therapy, because uh, he's had yeah. a wild 20 years of comics. Good for Al Ewing for doing a superhero in therapy story that did not make me furious. Uh-huh. We get a little bit of Nova explaining what happened at the end of the story that wrapped up in issue five, uh, the, the two guardians teams, uh, teamed up to fight off the bad guys. And interestingly, Marvel boy and Hercules hooked up. They got together. Cool. Yeah. Uh, we see a conversation that Nova has with Gamora where Gamora is essentially, letting Nova know that she blames him for Star-Lord's apparent death. You know, Gamora understands that that's who Star-Lord was. But she also says, we're too similar, and I know exactly what you did. Like, you knew exactly who he was, too, and you knew that you couldn't ask him without him saying yes. So we're not going to talk anymore. She tells him. And Nova says, I loved him too, you know. And Gamora replies to that, that makes it worse. It's a pretty great scene. It's pretty brutal. Yeah. Yeah, like, it's the the death of Star-Lord, even, like, knowing that even by, like, Marvel standards, he would not be gone long. Like, it is one of the more interesting character deaths that I've seen in a long time, and I have seen quite a few, in that, like, even though he comes back, and even though he comes back only, like, a few issues later, it really does kind of change all of the team dynamics and changes him as a character, and changes how the yeah, book that, works. That, that's the big thing about it, is that Star-Lord's death, which isn't actually a death, changes the character Almost completely. By the way, number six has a different art style. Uh, the art on that issue is by uh, Marcio Takara, and uh, it's kind of, I guess, grittier than the rest of the book. Uh, it's pretty good. Marcio Takara also does the art on the next issue, issue seven, uh, even though I feel like it seems like a different style than what the previous issue was. Uh, it feels like maybe Takara was going for something grittier in number six. Um, number seven starts an empire crossover. It starts what? An empire crossover. Empira. Empire. That's how I like to say it. And uh, Chris, this two-issue story is a locked-room mystery, and that fucking rules. Yeah, I, I love these, this these two issues. I was reading this thinking, Matt wasn't going to like this. Yeah. 
Uh, you know who loves a locked room mystery? This guy. Yeah. Yeah. So what this issue is about is Marvel Boy specifically, uh, although Nova is part of the group too, um, they all go to I forget what the name of it is. It's like the it's basically the Council of, of Council of Planets. It's like it's a big diplomatic meeting of representatives from different planets in like the the Galactic Federation. It's the, it's the Federation. And, y'all know y'all know what it is. Yeah, Marvel Boy is a representative on the council. Nova is a representative on the council. There's a representative from a warring Cree faction. Against Marvel Boy's faction in there. It's led by the fucking Super Skrull. Yeah. Clert. And then it, yeah, Clert. And it's also got uh, a bunch of just like, you know, fun aliens. There's like a horse lady. Well, the, the horse lady, Nimbus Sternhoof, that's a Chimelian. Mm-hmm. Those are the aliens uh, that uh, one of them came to Earth and gave the power pack their powers. The first murder victim is one of the Znurks or Snarks. Uh, those are the bad right. guys in Power Pack, and and notably that representative Emperor Stoat is missing from the beginning. Yeah, we got Spartax, Minticle. We got the Badoon. Wh- where is Minticle from? See- Minticle is where? Where's the comic? Where's she from in comics? Oh, I'm not sure. Because uh, uh, there's there's there. a there's a Shi'ar representative. Uh, there's the Badoon, Badoon. uh, and there's Peacebringer, who is a Chitari diplomat drone. Yes, Peacebringer does not speak, uh, upon first appearing. When Marvel Boy decides, uh, he's gonna go take a leak, uh, he finds the, the Emperor, uh, Emperor Stoat of the, uh, how do you say it? Zinz? Snarks. It's the trick Snarks. is it's snarks, but spelled in in space talk. Oh, because they're going to have snark war. That makes yeah. sense. Uh, the Regilians are from uh, the Kirby run of Thor. That's why uh, Mythical looks familiar, even though she first appeared in 2018. Gotcha. Um, so he finds the dead body of uh, Emperor Stoat in the bathroom, uh, not knowing uh, who killed him and. In walks his Cree adversary, who definitely doesn't like him very much. That's Captain Val Lor, uh, who is part of the Cree Scroll Alliance. But if Hulkling wasn't the Emperor, he would be very cross with Marvel Boy, and he threatens Marvel Boy in the bathroom, seeing that he apparently has committed a murder, and he tries to shoot him. But his blaster gun turns around backwards, and he shoots himself. Then Super Scroll comes bursting in and finds Marvel Boy with two dead bodies, and is like, "Okay, Marvel Boy, you're a murderer." But then by the end, uh, Rocket Raccoons shows up and is going to investigate this case, and he's wearing you know classic uh, detective. Get up. It's great. Love that shit. Also, uh, Marvel Boy spends this whole issue looking like uh, Adam Ant from the 80s. Yeah, because that's, that's how it that's is. Creed, that's the interdimensional Creed dress uniform. And it is brought up multiple times that he looks like Adam Ant. It's, it's funny. 
Weird, because next issue... Wolverine's bit. That's true. Adamantium. How old were you when you realized Adamant's name was a pun? Older than I probably should have been. I was in my 30s. I, I was in my 20s, probably. Anyway... Which is weird, uh, we read comics and we are trained for it. <laughs> it's true. Uh, next issue, Rocket gets into the investigation. He proves that the gun that the, the other Kree guy used, Valor, uh, was rigged by making Super Scroll shoot himself mm-hmm. by trying to shoot Marvel Boy. And uh, and then he, as he's like getting into it and figuring out who is behind all this, Peacebringer of the Chitari reveals the bomb inside his body. And he keeps apologizing for the delay. Yes. It's very funny. It's extremely good. Like his whole thing, because he's not involved in this murder plot. This murder plot is a separate murder plot from the one that he's got. Because the Badoon, the Badoon representative actually isn't actually Badoon. Yeah. Uh, she turns out to be the profiteer. Yeah, the uh, one of the younger elders of the universe, uh, the, a more recent elder of the universe, uh, along with the promoter, the promoter and the profiteer. Uh, yeah. but I think uh, the profiteer, the profiteer is trying to pull the sp- the strings of this whole situation to get everybody to still be at war with each other, yeah. so she can sell them weapons. Yes, uh, uh, which is great. It's pretty pretty good. It's a it's a really good setup for the mystery, and it's also like the way Rocket kind of does the parlor scene and unravels it. Like it make it, it's great because it makes perfect sense based on what we know from reading the comic. Yeah. Like everything you need if you are a Marvel comics reader. There's no way to actually figure this one out, I don't think, but it does make retrospective sense, which is nice, and honestly, which is all I ask. Unless you knew that the Badoon would not be there, yeah. which is part of Raccoon, Rocket Raccoon's deduction, you probably wouldn't arrive at it. Yeah. And you probably wouldn't know that it was a profiteer. But the reveal, again, yeah, like you said, makes perfect sense. And the really clever part here is that the profiteer is eventually convinced that if Peacebringer blows everybody up, then everybody's going to be too poor to buy her weapons. <laughs> so they have to get rid of Pacebringer. And, uh, and so the profiteer sends him away, at which point uh, Pacebringer says, no, don't teleport me away, single mind scum. This is only a further delay, for which I apologize. <laughs> Very good. God, it's funny. <laughs> uh, I love... The suicide bomber at your diplomatic meeting constantly apologizing for the delay in killing everyone. It's very good. Issue 9 is maybe my favorite issue of the whole run because it explains what happened to Star-Lord. Oh, oh are you talking about the issue where uh, Star-Lord becomes Grant Morrison? <laughs> Pretty much right. It it is a very Grant Morrison-y issue, isn't it? It's a very Grant Morrison-y issue, and and Star Lord does some very Grant Morrison-y stuff. First of all, this issue has art by uh, Juan Cabal, who I think was the issue on the earlier or the artist on the earlier issues of the run too. There are some page layouts in here that are just gorgeous. Oh, this this issue is beautiful. 
so we get a little like intro sequence where we see like Star Lord as a kid, where he's given the element gun and he's like facing down the the Olympian gods uh in his final moments before the detonation of the black hole bomb. And then we see him in uh the twelve houses, going through the twelve houses. Uh-huh. There's the house of beginnings, right. the house of possessions, of course, the house of communication, the house of home, the house of play, the house of health, the house of partnerships, the house of death and rebirth, the house of ideas, mm-hmm. wink, mm-hmm. the house of life's work, the house of community. And the House of Endings. And throughout this, going through all these houses, Star-Lord is in this other world that he's in for 144 years. Yeah. Because you don't age there. No. Once, once you are grown, you do not age, apparently. It's that that is how it, it seems, yes. Uh and I'm trying to think I'm trying to find the name of where he is, uh, because Oh, it's uh the world beyond the sun. It's sun, it's called Morinus. Yeah. It's the world beyond all suns. Yes. Uh but Star Lord, he's the Star Lord, the master of the sun. And he, he, while he's there, he meets Aradia and Moors, who will become his polyamorous lovers. Yeah, he fully gets into a thruple. It's great. He has a kid while he's there. Uh-huh. The element gun changes into I don't know, it changes shape. <laughs> he he changes the element gun three times, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Cuz he's got the one uh that looks like the one in the movie, then later uh he's carrying it and it looks like uh, it did in the flashback, where he gets it as a kid, and right. then later it becomes the kind of like 21st century Nintendo Zapper. It looks like the NES Zapper, yes. It, it looks like the NES Zapper if the NES Zapper was cool as hell. <laughs> That's pretty accurate, yeah. Yeah, we see it in that form uh, when, he, when Star-Lord is just Grant Morrison, with a sigil on his palm meditating in a circle of magic artifacts that includes a bottle of whiskey and a frog. Yes, he 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 becomes transcendent uh-huh. at, at one point uh, in here, and then he gets attacked uh, by the Olympian gods once again after 144 years, and through that uh, he ends up finding his way out of Morinus, lands on a battlefield where Rocket Raccoon is being attacked by. Uh, a symbiote dragon? Yeah. You know, from Null with a K. Yeah. The issue 10, like issue 9 is top, tippy top of the run. Issue 10 is probably my least favorite issue of the run. Is that Now, is that just because of how much you don't like the character Venom? That's part of it. It also just ends. 
Because it's a tie-in with the King in Black. So the Guardians can't actually defeat Null, because Null has to be defeated in that crossover. So they just kind of like fight him for a while, and they learn about Star-Lord's New Deal, which is cool. He shoots the symbiote dragon with his new element gun that destroys it with light, which is also cool. Yeah, and and he does this after two issues of talking about like all of this very mystical magic talk about him being the master of the sun and his reveal that the element gun is now drawing on like cosmic power and like literal sunlight because he is the literal star lord which climaxes in him saying sun's out guns out he does say that yes <laughs> which which i want to know if that was one of those that was either the line that the story was built around or added like five minutes before it went to lettering. There is no uh, in between on that. I feel pretty strongly that Al Ewing knew that he wanted Star Lord to say "Suns out, guns out," and worked backwards from there. But I you could be right; it could have been added just before this issue went to print. It's 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 definitely one of the two. No middle ground. Yeah, like Null does some vague threatening, and Star Lord shoots more null creatures with the element gun. But we we know null is not dealt with but the by the end of this because he's got to be dealt with in his own book somewhere else. So the null stuff just kind of goes away and then we get the Olympians back at the end. And we move on to issue 11 which is the big fight between the Guardians and the Olympians which rules which is also very, like, we have compared Al Ewing to Grant Morrison several times. Uh, well, I, I think it is more than clear that Al Ewing is heavily influenced by the work of Grant Morrison. Yeah, yeah. It's, we, we've said it before. It's one of those things where it is beautiful now to see all those seeds that were planted in the 80s and 90s bearing fruit in the form of Steve Orlando and Al Ewing and the current crop of creators because the way that they end up dealing with the Olympian gods. And even like when you see Athena where she's doing the fucking shit from fist of fury and has eight arms and a bunch of tarot cards, uh-huh. <laughs> having, having written Marvel comics that are essentially Graham Morrison fan fiction, I can recognize my own. It's, it's, it's cool. Like, we get the showdown between Gamora and Star-Lord. Like, now that Star-Lord is back, Gamora confronts him. And he kind of lets her know, I'm a different guy now. Yeah, I'm sorry. I was gone for a while, and I was gone a lot longer for me than it was for you. And I'm a different guy now. We also see the conflict between Phylavel and Moon Dragon, where Phylavel is not happy that the two moon dragons combined their consciousness consciousnesses uh, back at the end of issue five. Yeah. Because now there is essentially a, she sees it as there being like a different person in yeah. her wife's body who is from the bad universe, AKA the Marvel universe. <laughs> Moondragon explains that it's not that there's a different person in there, it's that she is now both of them, 
which just makes her one person, but also a different person, which is not better to to uh, Phyla. Issue 11 is kind of the build-up to the big fight with the Olympians, and then issue 12 is the big fight with the Olympians, where the Bowie gets destroyed like almost immediately. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it seems as though everyone on it is has perished, but Marvel Boy was o- able to open up uh, his little uh, pocket battlefield to save uh, Rocket and Hercules. Groot is not able to be in that, however. So Rocket takes the remains of Groot's body over to Prince of Power, and he says, hey, Prince of Power, uh, help me out here. Uh, bring Groot back to life. Prince of Power says, I don't, I'm not a healer. I can't do that. And Rocket says, I know your deal, man. You <laughs> ate the Power Stone. You're Prince right. of Power because you ate an Infinity Stone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that shit rules. Yeah. Again, kind of perfectly obvious in retrospect. Yeah. He's Prince of Power. He ate the Power Stone. He ate the Power Stone. And yeah. so he does bring Groot back to life, and Groot is now bigger than ever, and also is back to just saying, I am Groot all the time. Yeah. Uh, which is how they uh, trap Mercury, because he's the god of language. Yes. But Groot has evolved beyond language, so they uh, trap him inside Groot's uh, consciousness that has evolved beyond language and borders, which is represented by him being trapped in a big circle that it then pulls back to reveal that he's in the O of the speech bubble. Yeah, that is some Grant Morrison shit right there, my friend. Yeah, boy. Yeah. Hercules gets into a big fist fight with Zeus. I don't know why I just call it a speech bubble. Like, I don't read comics and not a word balloon, which is what it is, but... <laughs> Don't tell John Byrne. Thought bubble, word balloon. And then you want to talk about some Grant Morrison fucking fan fiction? Mm -hmm. Star-Lord, the way Zeus is ultimately defeated, is that... Is that Final Crisis happens. Final Crisis happens. Star-Lord shoots Zeus with basically a time bullet, just like Batman shoots Darkseid with. Uh Uh-huh. And, like, that may sound, you know, derivative. Uh, it rules. Yeah, it rules. I mean, is it? Yes. <laughs> but does it? Yes. Also, yeah. yes. It it fits. It. I mean, it's not a time bullet like Batman shoots Darkseid with. It's a black hole bullet. A very different thing. Very different thing. And, uh, and yeah, Zeus gets shuffled off to another reality and star lord even explains at one point what that other reality is uh what is what does he say oh it's it's a reality with no suns yeah it's like a dead reality yeah uh it's it's uh it's pretty good it's it's um it's pretty good i would say and it's athena ultimately turns on zeus right that's athena that's like holding him back at the end I believe so. Yeah, yeah, because because she gets she gets brought over to the to the right side of things. I think the cards reveal her her thousands of tarot cards reveal. Oh, I'm on the wrong side of this. Yeah, and uh, and so she she helps out in the end. My only complaint about this is that it maybe moves a little too fast. It moves really fast, 
Which does not detract from the Grant Morrison nature of it. Yeah, uh, that makes it even more Grant Morrison y, for sure. But, like, we don't really see what happens to all the gods. We see what happens to Mercury, and we see Athena kind of start to change her mind. But at some point, just like all the Greek gods are defeated. And it's just a, a showdown with Zeus. And that's when. Star-Lord shoots him with the black hole bullet. By the end of it, uh, the Guardians of the Galaxy become fully sanctioned as, like, a space Avengers. Yeah. Because there's no Nova Corps anymore. So this is this is the galaxy's answer to that. Yeah. And things are basically still extremely bad in the galaxy. <laughs> yeah. And that's the end of that story. Like, I think that is definitively the end of that story because 13 starts a whole new thing where once again, we have split up guardians teams, but they're just like off in the universe doing different space police stuff. <laughs> like one team is fighting these like world smashing bad guys called the progenitors who were, who were doing bad shit. Then another group is off on like a remote world fighting off like a scroll cult. A scroll? Exactly, a scroll. The, the scroll cult clearly wants to do something with this planet. And what we learn by the end of all of this is that it seems like these are two separate things, but they're actually not. The progenitors are out doing their thing to try to help along the scroll cult into making ego, the living planet into Dormammu. Yeah. You want to talk about shit, the rules you want to talk more about Marvel comics, bullshit. Ooh, boy. You in, the mean, in the meantime, Dr. Doom has sensed that something bad is about to happen in the universe, like something really bad. And, uh, and so he shows up on the planet where the progenitors were and, uh, takes over Hulkling's body. But then he gets tricked into going into Rocket Raccoon's body. Yeah, and so Rocket Raccoon, for several pages, is talking like Doctor Doom? Yep. And by I the end of it... People thought, we should read this. They were like, yeah, it's, it's ridiculous that you two haven't read this. They were correct. It they is. correct. Yeah. This is, this is the good shit. By the end of it, Doctor Doom gets talked into joining the Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah, they make him, like, he says that he's the only one who can save the galaxy, uh, but they get him, like, on on camera doing it, and so, and so, like, they're like, yeah, Doom is so egotistical that he will not go back on his word if we, if he made a promise in public, because it would be very humiliating for him. That's their, that's the reasoning that they are going to let Dr. Doom be on the team. Yep. Yep. Then in issue 15, uh, Nova and Star-Lord, I think, uh, Star-Lord's there. Yeah. They go to sword headquarters uh -huh. to try to ask for help and negotiate. Uh, it, it doesn't work out great. Yeah. Nova, Immediately tries to arrest Magneto for some shit that happened in the 70s. Yeah. 
not the 70s in Marvel Comics, but the 70s in our world in Marvel Comics. Yeah, uh, that is that is a hell of a pull for yeah, value. I love it, because he's so fucking mad. <laughs> he's so mad about the shit that happened in the 70s. And uh, they they throw some cars at each other for a while. Until finally they're just like, okay, truce. And uh, they talk for a bit, and by the end of it, here we go. The the planet egg that has been created by the blood of many skulls is revealed to be uh, a big planet sized Dormammu. Yeah, and but that's going to Dormammu lead, head, just a head. Yeah, that's going to lead into the last annihilation, which again, separate story. I think it's got to be a separate story from the rest yeah. of this. I think so. Even though I imagine that is where we actually get some Dr. Doom in this book. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I think t- 13 through 15 here is just kind of like, I don't even know what we call it, but it's, it's definitely something different from one through 12 and separate also from 16 through 18, which are part of the last, last annihilation, which crosses over with some other books. I think it crosses over with sword and I actually, I can look it up, but like we can't, we can't rank that as part of all of this. Yeah. Right. I don't think so. It's, yeah. I mean, it's, it's a little bit of a like interesting situation. Cause I, I told you that I was wrong and I was right, Matt. Um, because I, my theory was that it was all going to be one story. Yeah. And I was wrong about that because it's not. But I was kind of right about that as well because <laughs> it's. It, I, I would like to invoke the Starman rule. All of similar quality. It is all of similar quality. Like it's yeah. all very, very good. It's all highly enjoyable. Uh, even though you don't like uh, my boy Venom, who's great. I, 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 it's not even Venom. I, I got nothing for Null. I'll tell you that. You got, you got Null for Null? I got zero for Null. Oh, buddy. But, but, but he's Null. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, here's, here are the books, here are the books that are involved in The Last Annihilation, by the way. Uh, Guardians of the Galaxy, Sword, but only for one issue. Cable Reloaded, mm. Wicked and Hulkling, which I think is just a one-shot, and Wakanda. It's Last Annihilation Wakanda. So if we're going to do Last Annihilation, I think we have to read the whole thing. Yeah, probably so. Yeah. Uh, which is the only reason I, we can't do 1 through 18 as one entry on the list. It is the the full Star Lord goes to another universe and then comes back completely changed story is absolutely this series one through twelve. Even yeah. though it's got like little side stories in between. Well, because it's it's all about the Guardians becoming a new thing. Yeah. The Galactus Head story is kind of its own thing, and the Locked Room Mystery is kind of its own thing. But but I, I see how you can call all that one story, 1 through 12. Yeah, and it all really, like, flows together as well. Yeah. In, in that it all, you know, 
is not just of similar quality, but like it is telling a it's unified, I guess is the best way to put it. Yeah, I would agree. And also notably the logo changes uh between twelve and thirteen. Yeah, it gets that gets that old logo, that nineties logo. Yeah. On thirteen it does, for sure. That explore the Marvel Universe of the thirty first century logo. Alright, I think we've settled on what we're gonna rank here. Mm-hmm. So let's uh let's kick it over to the rankings part of the episode. Sure. Guardians of the Galaxy one through twelve. What do we say? I mean it's pretty damn good. It's pretty damn good. It when it gets into that like Grant Morrison Star Lord living for 140 some years in a universe where he doesn't age and his mind expands and he has a kid and then he comes back totally different where he shoots a sun gun. Mm-hmm. Pretty good. Yeah. Pretty good. It's, that it, it starts off good. And then when that stuff happens, it, it hits that level that many uh, Al Ewing comics hit where they're kind of like transcendent. Yeah. You know, it makes me way more interested in star Lord. Yes. Like star Lord has never been a character. I've been mega super duper into. Mm-hmm. I like this version of star Lord a lot more. Yeah. It, it, it's interesting because this is a, there was a lot that was done to get Star-Lord from the original weird sci-fi character that was kind of, you know, not good. TBQH, uh-huh. sorry, Timothy Zahn, uh, who did the 90s version of that. He did have a, like, I think he had a robot hawk, though. That was pretty cool. Mm. I think mm. that sounds right. I might be thinking of some dude whose name is probably Robo-Hawk or something. <laughs> uh, but there was a lot done to get him from that to the Star-Lord that we had in Annihilation, right? Kind of retroactively, after Annihilation brought him back. In the same way that, like, the Elsa Bloodstone of Next Wave and after is not the Elsa Bloodstone of Bloodstone 1 through 4, as uh, co-created by Dan Abnett and Andy Lanning. (laughs) Definitely not, Uh, yeah. Yeah. There was then a lot done to get that Star-Lord to be the Star-Lord of the movies, the kind of more like wisecracking dumbass <laughs> of the movies, you know? Yeah. Yeah. The, uh, like the, kind of, the, the cosmic destiny, goofy idiot adventure hero. Yeah. This is like, it's, it's kind of trying to do it all, but it's also kind of throwing a lot of that out and giving him a way to be a weird space hero with a futuristic element gun who's, you know, kind of Flash Gordon, kind of John Carter, which is what he's, the which is what the original Star-Lord was. But he's also 160 years old. Yeah, but he's also 160 years old. So th- there's a part in here where he says, uh, he's talking about how, th- there's a, a bit where he talks about how he's not that guy anymore. He's like, yeah, I'm not the person who left. I'm 140 years older. And then he says to uh, Nova, they're talking about how he went off to like sacrifice himself to save the galaxy, and he was like, yeah, I'm not that guy anymore, but I'm still me. 
which I think is a really good line to sum up what Ewing wants for that character. Uh, what Ewing and, uh, and uh, like, one for Jerry want from that character in this book. Yeah. Uh, and others. Yeah, it's... I, like I said, I'm I'm a much bigger fan of this version of Star Lord than any other any other one that has appeared in Marvel Comics to this point. Yeah, I think it makes him really interesting. Yeah, I think it it makes him kind of a unique version of Star Lord in a way that's that's really cool. I I don't think it devalues like any of his past and in fact kind of like embraces it uh it's it's a good move for the character i think fully agreed i also love the locked room mystery yeah that is uh extremely good it is full of that marvel comics bullshit the corporate espionage stuff with the galactus head is great yep 100 percent. the Evil gods of Olympus are fantastic. I wish we got more time with them and got to kind of understand them a little better. I would like to know more about what their deal is, because I feel like I don't. Because at one point, Zeus absolutely refers to Hercules as his son, right? His milk-blooded son. He calls him milk-blooded several times, which is what what, like that's as cutting as an insult as anything Logan Roy says in succession. My milk-blooded son. Uh, (laughs) Fuck off! You milk-blood. What is Uh, Brian Cox's accent? He's Scottish. That's all I know. But, like, the way he says fuck off in succession is the most painful thing anyone could say to anyone. <laughs> uh, but um, Zeus is Zeus is exactly that kind of dad here. And uh, we talked about Hercules being a pacifist in the early issues of this, which makes it a great moment where he, when he punches Zeus like right in his stupid mouth. That part's great. Yes. I just wish we got more of the, the bad Olympus gods in general. Moving too fast, I guess the complaint is too many good ideas. It doesn't hang together as well as other books that Ewing has done. Like, specifically just thinking about Ewing, I don't think it holds together even as well as The Ultimates, which is another book that was kind of, like, derailed by a lot of stuff, like crossovers and being kind of rebooted. Uh, Yeah. That's a weird run to put together if you're putting together issues. Uh, I don't think it holds together as good as well as like U.S. Avengers, the book that had Marine Todd in it as Toddzilla. Todd, excuse me, Toddziller. Toddziller, that's right. Well, all right. Since you brought up Ultimates, Al Ewing's Ultimates, let's use that as our starting point for ranking. Okay. Uh, because that is on the list at number one thirty-seven currently. Yeah, that's a good book, man. That's a good book. and But I think this is on par with it. I, I think it is, too. I don't think I certainly don't think it's worse by, like, a, by a huge margin. That Ultimates book has a ton of great ideas. I, 
like you say this doesn't hang hang together as well as that i feel like it works better as a unit of story than ultimates does like ultimates feels very disjointed it's got that great stuff with galactus it's got you know beautiful golden super galactus mm-hmm. and and all of that kind of stuff but like you you like you said it gets derailed a bunch this has a null story that kind of comes out of nowhere but generally i think this works to get works better as a story that sets up in the beginning and pays off at the end yeah yeah definitely uh it's definitely not better than JLA World War Three, which I think is another easy comparison to make. Okay, where is where is that on the list? What number that's is that? Two twenty six. Oh well, that's much lower than. than yeah, like Ultimate. I said, like I said, I don't. I I think Ultimates is better. Okay, so you don't think it's better than World War Three, which is at two. Tw- where did you say it was? Two twenty three. Two twenty six. Okay. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Robin dies at dawn. Is it two thirty? That shit rules. I okay. I do think it's probably better than Marvel Two and One Annual Number Seven. It's it's the same amount of Marvel Comics bullshit for yeah. sure. But I'll tell you what, it's not as as much Marvel bullshit as Fantastic Four Hereafter and Uncanny X Men Number Two Sixty Eight. So we're putting this right above Marvel Two and One Annual Number Seven. I, that is that is my intention. Yes. All right. Entering the list at the new number two thirty five is Guardians of the Galaxy, Volume Six, numbers one through twelve, and I'll put in parentheses Ewing or uh, Ewing Cabal, etc. Yeah, excellent, excellent stuff. Um, if if you don't know it off the top of your head, by the way, Uncanny X Men two sixty eight. That's Madripoor Knights. That's the most Marvel comic that has ever been printed. Fantastic Four Hereafter is in the running for most Marvel comic ever that was ever printed as well. That's the story where Jack Kirby is God. Yeah, that's like a meta Marvel comic. Yeah, that's like a very is. Marvel meta comic. But like, <laughs> Metaphor Knights, man, that's where Captain America and Wolverine save Black Widow in World War Two. In Metaphor, Jim Lee art. Oh, Jim Lee art, Claremont script, baby. Yeah. Man, oh man. That's a good-ass comic. I I stand by it. If you don't like that comic, you don't like Marvel Comics. And that's fine, but you need to accept that. All right. Are we also going to rank 13 through 15? Honestly, I would would lump them all together. I think they're separate stories, but I think they are of kind of indistinguishable quality. All right. I'm just going to change 1 through 12 to 1 through 15 then. Because I don't think you're wrong. Yeah, and I think it's I think you'll have a a good time reading them all as a unit. That's how I would want to consume them. The, the, again, the only problem is Last Annihilation starts with sixteen, and I we definitely have to rank Last Annihilation as its own thing. Yeah, that, that we will have to rank as a crossover, which means we'll have to rank all the parts of it because it it crosses over with other books and. I think we can include the King and Black tie-in that's part of this because it's really a continuing part of the Guardian story, right? But Last Annihilation is a crossover that specifically runs through 
those distinct books. Mm-hmm. So look, if you think we should do Last Annihilation for catch up, let us know. Well, we will. As soon as Guardians 18 is on Marvel Unlimited, we'll read that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I read 16 and 17. They were good. Uh, but I probably need to read the the other books in the crossover. Uh, most assuredly. Uh, you know what we've been told we should read next, Chris? Yes. Long shot. Yeah, I I figured that was coming. It's an Andesinti book with Art Adams art. And we said on the last Every Story Ever that we haven't read it. And multiple people have said, you guys got to read Longshot. So that's how we're going to kick off 2022, I think. No poll, not necessary. We're just going to do Longshot 1 through 6. Which I'm relatively sure must be on Marvel Unlimited. I will check presently. But I think that's what the January catch-up has got to be, Chris. I Look, I think you're right. I don't know why I'm feeling a little bit reluctant to do it. I'm sh- I'm sure it's fine. I don't know, man. I don't I don't know if I fuck with that guy in his hollow bones. That's all. But it's Andesinti, baby. I look, it's Andesinti and Art Adams. I know. You think I don't uh, know that? It is 100% on Marvel Unlimited. So yeah, absolutely. All right, we got to do it. We got to do it. It's got the, it's got Mojo in it. Yeah. I don't know, man. I don't know. Maybe we'll turn you around on it. Maybe maybe you'll turn around after we read it next month. If you have a suggestion, though, of something you want us to read for Comics Catch-Up later in 2022, uh, email us at warrocketpodcast at gmail.com. Send us a tweet at warrocketpod. Hit us up on Tumblr, warrocketpodcast.tumblr.com, or get on our Discord which is by invite only. So contact us in one of those other ways to get an invite to the discord. Um, any of those are ways to let us know something we should read for comics catch up. If you like these shows and you would like to support them, go to patreoncom slash ajax to kick in as little as $1 a month to make sure that we do this monthly, that we do every story ever monthly, that we do the regular weekly Ajax show and uh, Movie Fighters and Snacks Situation are supported by that as well. For me, if you want to find my stuff, you can go to mattdwilson.net to find links to my books, my comics, my social medias, and my other podcasts. Chris, where can people find you? Everybody can find all my stuff by going to the-isb.com. That is my website, and it has links to podcasts that I've done and things that I've written that you can read and listen to for hours and hours of enjoyment. See you next month, everybody. We're going to talk about Longshot. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. And a Happy New Year. And Oh, and Happy New Year. And hey, good catching up. <laughs>